Welcome to our podcast, Talk To Me Sister. I'm Kathy. And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform, but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along. Chelsea Skaggs is an early motherhood coach focusing on intimacy and identity after baby. We love her message and the way she supports women and moms unique in their journey. She founded Postpartum Together after seeing a gap as a new mom herself. Chelsea realized there was a gap in support for women and the big life changes that occur after baby. She helps women to reclaim their identity, reconnect with their partners, and kick the pressure to be a Pinterest perfect mom to the curb. We are so excited to sit down with Chelsea and learn from her story. We can go ahead and dive in, but um, so one thing we love is we love your realness. We, our podcast, we kind of advocate for women's health and motherhood and women. We love your honesty, um, your powerful mom tip. I love, and I see all those. But um, before we dive into specific questions that we had for you, can you tell us kind of why you decided to start postpartum together and kind of where that passion for supporting moms and everything came from? Yeah. So like I said, I have a almost a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And so after my first, I just felt like there were all of these messages about how motherhood was supposed to look and feel. And there were all these shoulds. And I realized, honestly, not until about two years later that I had put so much emphasis on trying to make it look the way that it should, that I had actually missed the moments in a lot mm -hmm. of cases. And I did not find, I couldn't see on social media, you know, thinking back to like movies and TV shows and things like that. I didn't see a lot of spaces that talked about the messier parts. There was just a lot of picture perfect motherhood images out there. And I found myself, you know, up at night looking for blogs on sleep and feeding and all of this stuff. And, yeah. and you know, I realize now those things are written very purposefully, but it seems like everyone had it together. And mm -hmm. so I put a lot of emphasis on portraying this togetherness kind of look and so much so that I really missed the growth and the experience and the rawness that mm. comes in the really messy, harder parts of motherhood. Mm -hmm. So I got, I got pregnant with my second and, <laughs> um, there were, you know, there's a lot of reflection on how did things go the first time. And so I'm reflecting on that. And also she got a diagnosis in utero of a heart defect. So that kind of escalated this experience for me of what is the second time going to be like? And how am I going to choose to show up in this? Because this is messy. I need community. And I, I honestly, it was the first time I really felt like I need to let down my walls so yeah. much. And I don't know how people are going to receive that, but I honestly, I, I, I can't worry about how people are going to receive that. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was received really well. <laughs> and in that process, I guess I realized that what I had needed as a new mom was a space to let down those walls, was a space to kind of grapple with my identity changes, with my relationship changes, with my friendship changes, some of these things that weren't talked about. And so Postpartum Together was really born out of 
seeing in retrospect that gap that would have done a lot of good for me, knowing Mm -hmm. that I wanted to be more purposeful about it the second time and bringing other people on that journey with me and then continuing to offer that now as I'm kind of coming out of my own postpartum experiences. That's so important. I think a lot of our, I mean, obviously we relate to that. I relate to that personally. I like changed my career when I was pregnant with my second for -hmm. similar reasons. I think all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I want to really enjoy this process. It's not all of the, you know, nesting that you do the first time. I think Sarah even relates to this going through this pregnancy. It's like, you don't really have to buy a, you know, stroller and you're not researching Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. All of a sudden you're researching survival (laughs) and you're and you're always looking for kind of like your your identity as a mom and as a woman is always evolving and you know we put our kids first but also like finding that identity and I love that you started postpartum together because I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of moms and women out there are struggling and like looking for answers and people like that feel the same way they do I think it's people are kind of hungry for that realness look for that support so So tell me before postpartum together, before you started this program, what's your background? Like, was this like some like totally new for you to like put yourself out there this way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my background is in psychology and sociology. So I've always been really interested in how we develop in groups. (laughs) Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. take those two apart. I think that's really important. You know, I had a couple of jobs, but prior to having my first, I was a teacher and I was a very like high performance, 15 hour a day, everything went into my work kind of teacher. So some of those skills definitely apply now to what I do in postpartum together, teaching, bringing groups together, you know, knowing that everyone needs something a little bit different, but I really had to lose the perfectionism in, in motherhood. And I think that again, just I'm really obsessed with how an individual changes and flourishes within the concept of a group and how um, one of my group members just described it as kind of, it's kind of a ping pong game in our groups where we're all kind of grappling with the same thing, but we get, we get ideas, we get encouragement, we get resources from one another. And I I love my one-on-one clients, but I really, really love the group settings. Yeah. It's encouraging. I think to hear what other people are going through, you feel so not alone. Um, we were just talking to someone else about this, about how there is a gap, really. It's one reason I kind of changed the focus of my career, but th- there's a gap in this postpartum time where you get all these appointments and all this attention when mm. you're pregnant. And then all of a sudden it's like, good luck out there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know? So I love that you're trying to debunk the perfectionism too, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of us, Sarah and I both can relate to that where we get caught up in, in that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, so much easier said than done. So do you have like recommendations for just like letting things go like that? Mm. For like um, yeah, the perfectionist I, motherhood. I do. So this makes me think of three specific tips. Um, one is to spend some time, especially with your partner, identifying your top family values. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you're allowed to be obsessed with things that are aligned with that value. You're allowed to really hone into that. But if you find that something you're doing and you're obsessing over, you're really trying to make look a certain way, isn't even in alignment with your values, then what is the point in, in digging into that? The second thing that I like to tell couples is to have mom create a category 
of these are like two or three things that I want to control. I want them to look a certain way. Maybe I care so much about how the towels are folded. Then you know what? That's my job. That's what I'm obsessing over. Maybe it's the kitchen, you know, whatever it is. Partner can do the same thing and everything in the gray area. We have permission for it to just be done and not done a certain way or not done perfectly. Um, I love that. That is so important communication. I do. I love that. I'm like, you're speaking my language when you said a perfect kitchen, because I like that, but I love setting the expectations, like communicate those with your partner. And then everything in the gray area, you kind of have the permission to let other things go because it's impossible to have it all together, but there are Mm -hmm. some things. And I think that also makes each person feel heard. Like if you hone in on some things that are really important to me, like you know, if towels folded are important, you know, my husband might think that's silly, but it's important it's, to you. It's important. And I love yes. the communication is key. Yes. You were going to say yes. one more thing. Oh, I was. And that was just to be mindful of where you show up on social media. So that is such an area of comparison and it kind of triggers our perfectionism. If you know that so-and-so whose playroom is always color categorized, like makes you feel bad about yourself, then that might just not be a place you need to show up right now. You really have to figure out what's in your locus of control and let some other things uh, go to the wayside for now. That's such good advice. I love it. So one of your areas of expertise is intimacy with your partner after you have a baby. And we're so excited to talk with you. I know that that's physical intimacy, but also emotional intimacy. So I know it's hard to summarize this because you have courses and classes and everything, but we would love to know kind of your top three ways to kind of regain intimacy with your partner after you have a baby, this postpartum together, as you say. Well, the first thing is all rooted into that communication, like you guys said. So sometimes people don't think about clear communication in the home as being intimacy. But if we're honest, I'm not going to have sex with you if, (laughs) you know, X, Y, and Z is never done. Or, you know, if I'm not feeling like these needs are taken care of, this isn't going to happen. And so that really clear communication, I think it's a love language. I think it's, it's foreplay, right? (laughs) To have this kind of communication, um, which is kind of those things we visited before. This is really what I need done. Or I have people use the sentence starter. What I need to be turned on is, and you know, we think about like maybe a sexy back rub or a little, you know, foreplay, but really what a lot of moms come up with is I need the dishes to all be done and put away. So I don't have to think about them or I need you to do bedtime on our sexy nights so that I can have a little time to get, you know, out of that mom brain mode. So I think we miss the opportunity to communicate a lot because we think that we should know each other and we should just have this rhythm, but adding a baby to the mix really changes that all up. And so it's, it's always time to revisit that conversation. It is. I think that's so critical. It's something that no people don't talk about as much. So I'm super excited Mm -hmm. that we're having this conversation for people. Yeah. And I think that women like us as women, I don't want to categorize anybody, but women, I feel like are very like in their head and like maybe Mm -hmm. their love languages are more like acts of service or words of affirmation. So I think it's important to communicate that with your partner because I don't want to categorize men either. They're all very physical. So, you know, Mm -hmm. they might say, you know, my uh, relationship with intimacy is 
something physical, but, you know, as women, I think if we expect connection with our partner, we have to be willing to communicate those Mm -hmm. needs, which I'm speaking to myself because that's, you know, hard sometimes to communicate (laughs) your needs. It is hard. And I'll ask a question because I think what you said is hard. It's it's hard for us sometimes to know our needs. I hear this a Mm -hmm. lot and I've I've related to this after after I've had babies. It's like physically you kind of feel touched out. Like if you're nursing, Mm -hmm. if you have a toddler, (laughs) if you have, you know, clingy children. So like the physical part, like sometimes you just feel touched out, Mm -hmm. but you don't have that emotional support. So like, is there, I think communication, is there, any other thing you would say to a mom who's feeling that way, but of course still needs connection from her partner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the, on the physical realm and specifically talking about the touch out, I think this is where it can be really beneficial to have a, um, a transition period from mom needed touched to I'm physically available to my partner. Um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of moms that is maybe it's, you know, not everyone loves scheduled sex nights or sexy time, but sometimes it can work to say this night, I get an hour to transition and to, you know, take a hot shower and just like have nobody need my body and to get out of my mind and really it's hard to go from breastfeeding a baby to trying to get intimate with your partner. Like that's just, that that's not an on off switch for most women like that. So we really do need this transition period. And I find it helpful for a lot of people to start with picking one night a week when that happens. And that doesn't mean it has to end up in sex. You know, we have to make that clear communication, but it's more likely to have this physical connection at the end because mom gets this release time. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that, I think when you become a parent, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that idea sounds good. But before you're like, ew, scheduled sex or scheduled scheduled alone time, but then it sounds good. (laughs) And I feel like too, I talk to a lot of women because I work in women's health that actually do have a stronger sex drive, even maybe than their Mm -hmm. male partners or really desire that intimacy and need that intimacy, but have a hard time like fitting it in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, prioritizing it. We sometimes just assume that women will have a low sex drive and men will have a high one. And it's Often, sometimes oh, like the opposite. Generalizing. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we're twins. Usually I can like read her mind. <laughs> um, we usually generalize it. that. And that's not always the case. It's just that we have all these things going on in our mm-hmm. mind. And, and men will have those things too. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's helpful for them, right? To like transition home from work and from the work day and the work stressors and things like that too, right? Yeah. And I love, I love your advice, Chelsea. I think that like, I've talked to a lot of women and, you know, moms that have been like, okay, scheduling that works great. And I need to do that more. But I think a lot of moms struggle with maybe like what Kathy said, trying to fit it in. Like sometimes bedtime takes a long time mm-hmm. and your kids don't go to bed when you want them to. And then <laughs> by the time they're in bed, if that's a two hour process, everybody's exhausted. So yeah. It's, um, it's a two-way street, I think for both partner. Yeah. So I think it's communicating both needs. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And you're, Uh, you know, you bring up the bedtime thing. And I think sometimes we forget that like 
you can also have sex in the morning or you can also have yeah. midday, you know, nap time after nap time. sex. So sometimes that's even better because you're not as end of the day depleted. That's so true. And that's the thing I was trying to get at, like just kind of looking big picture and just communicating with your partner on other ways to be intimate. It doesn't just have to be mm-hmm. at night. You know, let's schedule like a midday lunch week where we like mm-hmm. you know, go meet on a patio and in between our work schedules and just have mm-hmm. a real conversation without the kids in the background. So I think it's looking outside the box of not just nighttime right. for women. Even yeah. for dates, like date night, date sometimes night. I get tired. Like date night, it's like the conversation. We're like, where do you want to eat? What do you want to do? You know, it's like, <laughs> um, let's watch a show. It's both of us tend to have a lot more conversation, even and mm-hmm. emotional connection on a lunch date, which I think is, mm-hmm. is I forget about. And I'm reminding yes. myself as we're having this conversation. <laughs> schedule lunch. Schedule lunch. Schedule lunch. Okay. I have one yeah. more kind of physical question for you. Yeah. Um, so this is a listener question. So we had a mom who was, who said she had an episiotomy after mm-hmm. her birth and just never really felt the same, like her physical health, her sex life. Um, and of course we all go back six weeks for a checkup visit and that's about all we get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would love your advice for this mom. Who's like, nothing ever felt the same. I didn't get much help. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things. One, I am always an advocate for pelvic floor therapy. So if she has not looked for, you know, either an OT or a PT who specializes in pelvic floor health, I think, you know, we tend to forget or even not be taught that everything from like our stomachs, all the, everything is, is impacted by birth and it's connected. And so sometimes the sensations or something might be tight or something, you know, might not be functioning the same well, same way. And in some countries, this is standard care after baby. You just get that automatic referral. That's not the case here. And sometimes you have to be your own advocate to seek this out and get the referral and, you know, maybe get your insurance to cover it or whatnot, but it is such an important part and it's never too late to do that. The second thing that came to mind is, um, just getting to know your body again. And so this, I will say out loud that I never had a vibrator until I had my first baby and then things weren't the same. And I didn't know it was frustrating in sex because I was just like, Oh no, this hurts. Like, stop, get off of me. I can't do this. And it, it was not a good experience. There was a lot of frustration for both my husband and I, and it really took that my first vibrator after baby to figure out, okay, this is actually tender or this feels good now, or this was good Mm -hmm. before. And now it's not. And then I was able to bring my partner into that and not feel like it was him hurting me or him not doing something right or us not working well together. It took a lot of the, um, emotional pressure out then to be able to communicate. Um, So, you know, that's not something we often think about or talk about after baby, but your Mm -hmm. body and your sensations have changed so much that sometimes that self-discovery and really getting comfortable with it yourself and then being able to bring your partner into that and communicate it can be really helpful. And that can even be softening the tissue, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and the same way that we, um, you can do a perineal massage 
prior to giving birth, you know, some of that tissue might still need massaged and, and opened back up. Right. Especially if you have like physical scar tissue there. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. I think so many people have shame, feel shame on like learning their body parts correctly Mm because we just were not taught those. We were taught Mm -hmm. that vagina was a bad word, even though the good Mm -hmm. Lord created us that way, (laughs) you know? And so it's so important. And I do think that there, in a way, so many of us gain this empowerment after we have a baby Mm -hmm. to like, you learn your body in a whole new way. So why not just continue that afterwards too? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I have a story for you about my pelvic floor (laughs) for everybody listening who wants to know. If you have been listening along to the pod, you know we love high quality vitamins that are worth your time and your money. Seeking Health vitamins are our favorite because they are not synthetic and they are easily absorbable. We have a new coupon code exclusive to our audience. It's 10% off your first order from seekinghealth.com. So use our code talk to me sister for 10% off. That's talk to with the number 2 me sister for 10% off. We will link all of this information in the show notes. Enjoy. So I love that you mentioned um, pelvic floor therapy um, and physical therapy, because after I had my son um, in birth, I actually fractured my tailbone and like it broke. Yeah. He, he came down real fast. He came real fast and kind of knocked it, fractured it. Mm. I did not know that these areas were connected. I mean, of course they're close, but I never thought doing pelvic floor therapy would help my mm-hmm. tailbone until I, I literally took, it took like two years to heal. And I finally had a friend who guided me in that direction. And I am in women's health and I still didn't even put those two together. So I'm, I'm really, it's so important for people to know that like hip health and tailbone, yeah, your posture, muscles. your yeah. abdominal muscles, like all, all of connected. that is connected. So I think that's so super important. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to add to what I didn't know, because I think we grow up in this like Kegel, Kegel, Kegel culture. That's what we know about the pelvic floor. Um, and what I discovered only because of my pelvic floor therapist was that I had a lot of stress and tension that I like, I will clench my pelvic floor under stress. And so it became not that I needed to learn how to tighten it, but I needed to learn how to relax those muscles. And so sex was painful for me for a while because I was, I was stressing, I was tightening and I didn't know how to relax and allow that to be a safe space and to let my muscles relax. And so I think too, a lot of women will hear like, pelvic floor and they'll just think, well, I'll just like do my Kegels every day. But until you really learn how to both strengthen and relax those muscles, you're not going to have the kind of, you know, success and feelings that you want to have. Yeah, you're right. It's much more than the Kegel. Small of the story, let's normalize pelvic floor (laughs) therapists. Yes. yes. So I had a hysterectomy as a part of my journey and I do have a pelvic floor therapist and I didn't even know that was a thing. I will be Mm. honest and say, I didn't know what that was until I needed Mm -hmm. one. So Mm -hmm. shout out to pelvic therapists and all the good they do for women. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's super important. And you know, some people clench, like you said, do a Kegel if they're stressed and people clench their gut at doing the same thing, which is why when people are stressed, they have like diarrhea or gas or their digestion slows down. 
like everything is tight if you're stressed. Yeah. And so like, it'll cause tummy troubles too. It's like, if you're doing that, you're probably also doing like a constant mm-hmm. kegel as well. Yes, <laughs> like if you're so... clenching your gut, you're yes. probably also clenching yeah. everywhere else. But I'm loving mm-hmm. this. I think so, so many of this is not discussed and people feel like, oh, I'm never going to be the same again. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to feel the same again emotionally about my partner too. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to feel the same physically. I'm not going to feel like the same woman anymore. My job has changed. My tasks at home has changed. So it's so important to feel, I think, physically and emotionally like yourself because yeah, naturally so many things change and those are good. Like we asked for those, like you said in the beginning, like these are things we wanted, but it doesn't mean it's not a challenge to have change. So Chelsea, you posted recently about intimacy as far as emotions go. We know that our emotional connection and how we communicate with our partner is really important. You posted five reasons your intimacy level isn't where you want it to be. So I'm just going to name a few. You said your communication is messy and reactive. You and your partner are giving each other your leftovers. You often feel alone, read tasks and stuff in the home, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, You're struggling to appreciate you connect with yourself. And life feels like it's on autopilot. And you Mm -hmm. haven't pleasantly interrupted it lately (laughs) so you don't have to touch on all the points touch on your favorite and yeah okay yeah um well I think the leftovers piece is a really important one because this applies in so many areas I think it is natural and it is good that we become pretty obsessed with our babies who need us to survive right there were times that I said to my husband especially when our kids were little like you're a grown man take care of yourself I have this baby dependent on me but I think there's a fine line then between just being a single focus and your partner becoming a third wheel and really entering that space together. So we don't want to give our partners our leftovers and we don't want to give ourselves our leftovers either. This is a hard mental shift for moms, specifically moms who are just the nurturing, giving type, and they get a lot of fulfillment out of that. And it can be hard to enter in and prioritize self and prioritize partner. But I think we also have to say our our kids need our connection. Our kids need partners, parents growing together. And so we cannot just say, I'll pick back up in five years when the kid goes to school, or we'll pick this back up in 20 years, you know, when, when we're empty nesters, it's really important that we are, are giving our kids this collective partnership and that we're putting that priority in there. And that is something that I I both experienced, but also I, I heard and I learned from some seasoned moms, from some empty nester moms specifically who were like, you know, we put so much into our kids that then we didn't even know how to connect anymore. Then we didn't have, you know, a, a spark left in our relationship. And so I really like to focus on simple ways that couples can connect in five or 10 minutes a day to continue to be on that growing process together. Because I mean, parenthood changes you, parenthood Mm -hmm. changes your partner, and you have to keep putting the energy into getting to know that person over and over again, as we continue to change. I love that. And I think it's so important to not lose that connection. 
a huge thing is like our kids are watching, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, that's so fundamental for them to see how their parents are connecting intimately. That's kind of those things that are learned and they kind of evolve by watching a relationship. And I always say like, oh, I hope my relationship is a healthy one to teach my kids to have a healthy, intimate relationship with your partner and, you know, not lose that connection with your spouse over the years. Yeah. It can be hard sometimes. And I think too, to allow our kids to see that we, I mean, obviously we want them to know that they're the most important things to us, Mm -hmm. but I also love the idea of them seeing that we can, we still have our own identity as women, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I know that that's important for you, Chelsea, in your work. Um, I would love to know just a couple tips on that and like finding our identity again or keeping it. Um, I think it's okay that we have changed. Like you said, like mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're different people and that that's okay. But how do we continue to like stay connected with ourselves and who we are and not just be totally swallowed up by motherhood? Yeah. Well, I would love for you guys to respond to this practice because I'm interested in your answers. One of the first places I like to start with this is like, where did you go or what did you do when you were 15 or 16, 17? You were starting to find your individuality and your independence. For me, it was loud music, let it all go, dancing in the car or, you know, in my room and really connecting with that, just music and dance and kind of getting that energy back. That's something that I found probably two or three years into motherhood. I had to look back and say, oh, wait, that's a way that I make time for me. That's a way that I feel good and connected to myself again. So I'm curious for you guys, is there anything that sticks out from that season of your life, like that budding independence that made you feel like you that could then be something that you revisit in this season of motherhood? I think that's such a fun way to ask somebody that question. I, my initial thought is, you know, when we first got our car, like the very first thing we would do is go to like Starbucks and meet friends mm-hmm. or Sonic, yes. right? The Sonic mm-hmm. days. Last Blast, yes. And go out to hang out with friends away from our homes And it's like, we kind of need that now. Mm -hmm. I will say something that my husband and I have both figured out that has been great for both of us is we have like a standing Thursday night that we take turns going out. So like Mm. this Thursday is his Thursday. Next Thursday is mine. Mm -hmm. The next Thursday is his, you know, we do an every other and he goes out and plays trivia with his friends and I go out and have dinner with mine or get my nails done last week. Mm -hmm. I just got my toenails done with a friend, like getting out of the house. And I will say we are much nicer to each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) when we have our like social outlets, which are difficult in like the 2020, you know, world. Sure. Um, (laughs) But sometimes I, it's interesting that I have found that that has worked for us now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also you're right. Like looking back at 16, 17, like that's what we wanted to do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with yeah. Kathy. Like, I think finding connection with friends and other women also helps me with my own identity and puts me in a place where I'm a, I'm not just a mom, but I'm a friend. I'm a person that connects mm-hmm. with another human. But also, you mentioned that you love dance and you kind of found that like connection back to like your roots and. I sort of de- did that with um, art recently this time mm. around um, when Charlotte was one or two. 
I love to paint. I'm an artist. I was really big into that when I was younger and in my developmental years and kind Mm -hmm. of put it away during my, you know, career, corporate career phase of my life and then into motherhood. And I recently started that again about a year and a half ago. And it's really grounded me into a place where like, it's like something inside me woke up like, ah, Sarah, you have a gift. I remember Mm. that. And like, kind of like a little bit, it was something that I just had for me. That was really important for me, like in my thirties as a woman and a mom. So I would encourage women for sure to find something that like you can do. It could be just like driving in the car with the windows down, listening to your favorite tunes, just you. But like find something that you want to do just for you that kind of gives you that little piece of, you know, your happy back or your passion back, mm-hmm. or, you know, something that you can do for you, whether it's connecting mm-hmm. with friends or writing or painting, but all of that yeah. is kind of like in line with mm-hmm. self-care. So I want to like ask you this one question. I'm going to turn it back to you. You've mentioned before about like balance and alignment and how that's, you know, mm-hmm. kind of self-care as women and moms and mentioned that you might not love the word balance, but you prefer the word alignment. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Can you expound on like what that means? Yeah. Cause those are hot terms these days. They People really love yeah. it. And like, what even does that mean? <laughs> and yeah. I, think, I think I say balance probably. So I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah no, you, of course. What do you think about that? I think, you know, if that, if that visual and kind of that feeling works for you, then that's what you go. That's what you lean into. For me, I found that I was like, I was trying to have this even balance of me time and husband time and mom time and friend time and just, you know, work and mom. And I wanted everything to feel so balanced and even. And every time I would come up with something, some little piece of the puzzle would change. And so I think we have to realize that this is so seasonal and a season could be a day, a week, a month, a year but I really like to focus on kind of, we, we talked about this at the beginning, those values. What are, maybe it's my personal values or, or our family personal values. How do we make sure that our time and our energy is in alignment with those values? And that might mean 70% here and 30% here. It doesn't have to be an even balance, but that we feel like we are in alignment with our values and that the choices we're making, whether that's for ourselves professionally or or that self-care or whatnot, or whether that's the decisions we're making for our family, are those in alignment with our values? And, you know, the percentages, the amounts, the energies can skew and can change. But for me, I, I don't know if it's my personality type or what, but the word balance just always felt like I was striving to make things even or work a certain way. And it kind of stressed me out. <laughs> yeah. I like what you're saying too. Cause you're not like throwing balance out the window or, sure. or whatever. You're not throwing that idea out the window, which would like kind of stress us out. Like I'd be like, wait, what? No balance. <laughs> but your idea is like, it doesn't have to be a perfect 50 50. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. I know. And I love your explanation of that because it just clicked in my head. It's like, you're not debunking the idea of balance. You're just saying it's okay because there's no way it all can be balanced. Like, let's just Mm -hmm. like reprioritize the meaning of the word. So we're wrapping up here in a second, but for those women listening, we always like to give the guests on the podcast kind of the last word and like Mm -hmm. to give like some encouragement to our listeners. So if there's women listening that feel the stress of having it balanced, 
and feel like they're like comparing themselves to other moms Mm -hmm. that have it all together. What would you say to a mom or a woman listening right now that maybe feels like they're falling short? What would your truth or like encouragement be to that? Yeah, I think I would ask myself, or, or I'm encouraging these women to ask themselves, let's say your child is in fourth grade, seventh grade, whatever. And they get the school assignment that is to describe their mom. Mom is this to me. Mom does this mom. You know, this is what home is like. They're not going to list 20 things. They're going to list three or four things that really stick out to them. Mm -hmm. And that really make them feel seen and nurtured and loved. And so when you're comparing yourself to Susie who works out every day or, you know, Joanna who always has her house a certain way. Is that what you want your kid to remember in five, 10 years? Is that what you want them to describe you as? And if so, then lean into that. That's where your energy goes. And if not, so what? It's just not going to be there. So we all, again, it kind of comes to values. We all have different values. We all have different ways that we really want our kids to explain their childhood and their mom. And so I like to have women put themselves in that place. How do you want your kid to describe you and your home in a few words? And those are the things that you should cherish the most. That's an incredibly powerful exercise. I feel like choked up thinking about it. And I needed to hear that today. Yeah. It reminds us that the little things don't matter as much as how our kids Mm -hmm. see us. And I think I may go ahead and ask mine. Maybe I'll have somebody else ask them so they don't try to fluff my feathers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. So that's much. a really incredible exercise. I think that's a great point to end on and a good homework assignment for everybody listening. Yeah. I also feel like this episode, people are going to want their partners, their husbands to listen to. So They're going to be able to listen to the first half of this about yeah. the and holding the correctly. Sure list. Here sure. we go. Yeah. Yes. But I think it's all really practical things that you're giving, which is what we need. You know, we don't need to hear, let's try to balance things out. We need practical advice. So we are so happy that you took time out of your day today and your travels to talk to us. We are so grateful for your wisdom and your practical advice. I can't wait to share it with people. I can't wait (laughs) to share it. Thank you. you. Will you tell everybody listening, like where they can find you postpartum together, like website, Mm -hmm. Instagram, like where, if they want to connect with you further. Yeah. Website and Instagram. You can find me at postpartum together. And I'm always sharing, you know, in stories or highlights, what kind of opportunities are coming up, whether that's a relationship spark challenge or something that's a deep dive into motherhood. But I really do. I value having that honest conversation. And, you know, sometimes I even have posts that are great to share with your partner, just like you said, yeah, <laughs> give them yeah. the hint subtly, give them the hints. Yeah. <laughs> give them the hint very loudly. Send your husband Chelsea's Instagram. <laughs> right. Oh, so you said you do one-on-one and oops, is that things they can find mm-hmm. on your website? Yep. Yep. So I have lots of uh, DIY e-course experiences and then group experiences and some one-on-one opportunities too. Amazing. I love that so much. Great resources. Uh, thank you so much, Chelsea, for yes. connecting with us. And we're going to continue to follow along with you. And thank you. Yeah. I'm coming up here on my postpartum time. <laughs> so 
Yeah. You know, what's interesting though, is that Sarah and I are both going to have postpartum experiences that are different right. because I'm going to have a physical postpartum healing, but Sarah will have a postpartum experience, which probably is the touched out version and the needed version. Tired, so it'll like be interesting parents. Yeah. yeah. Just like the newborn phase. Oh. Yeah, we'll, we'll need to do like a, maybe like a two on one. Uh, <laughs> yes. I feel like that's such a cool, valuable a really valuable share and journey that you're going to be going through together. Yeah. We're, we're interested. We're going to prepare as best we can for sure. And yeah. in a way it's relieving, like for me, it's relieving that I'm just doing the physical part <laughs> and not the emotional part. And then hopefully for Sarah, she feels the same as I well. Feel, that yeah. She's going to go in. I feel the same. I'm ready for the late nights and the yeah. sleepy yeah. feedings and all the things, but yeah, it's so true. We're going to be having such different experiences as like in the birthing motherhood early process. So we'll report back. We are going to have a season yes. two on our podcast all about postpartum. Good. So Good. we want to be honest and real about that. Well, thank you, Chelsea. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Y'all have yes. some safe travels and have so much fun and we will be in touch. Do you have a great rest of your day? Yes, thank you too. So thank nice you. Bye. Bye.